To the Entertainment Heroes podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ladow. I'm here with my co-host and good friend, Joe Trace. Joe, what's going on, man? Not much, man. It's been an exciting week. I'm, I'm really excited about this this podcast episode. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun to, to talk about, and uh, it, it's going to be a horror show. <laughs> ain't, that, ain't that the truth, <laughs> man? This is, uh, this is probably my favorite time of year. Like, most people have they love their christmas or their birthdays nope i'm the halloween guy just let me have my halloween give me my 30 days of that holiday and then i'm done (laughs) yeah no doubt um we just had a halloween party at uh, my mom's house it's all my relatives get together and uh my wife and i are pretty much the only adults left that still dress up uh she's been doing it for like five years now and everybody would dress up before you know my aunts and uncles you know in their 50s 60s or older and stuff and uh, now it's mainly just the kids, but I mean, we're a family and I look forward to it too. Like it's my one time of year I can dress up without being judged unless I'm going yep. to like a, a Comic-Con event. So, you know, <laughs> so I do it. And uh, this year we are uh, Batman rogues. So I was Joker. My wife was Harley Quinn. Daughter wanted to be Poison Ivy. And my son was the Riddler. So it was, uh, yeah, I, it was a good time. I saw that, saw that picture. That was awesome. Yeah, man. That, uh, that's great. So, uh, but yeah, this week we're going to do our Halloween themed episode. Um, we're going to talk about our favorite horror movies or horror like movies because not all of the best Halloween movies fall within the horror genre. Um, we're also going to talk about the, uh, the walking dead, which of course you couldn't bring up Halloween without talking about the ultimate zombie show. So, uh. This week's going to be a little bit different from what we normally do. We're not going to talk about any of the news stuff. We're just going to kind of jump in with uh, with what we've got going on, and then we'll jump into our top picks, and we'll do a rundown real quick. And then we'll uh, we'll spend a lot of time talking about The Walking Dead, which uh, it was a rough one, man. It was really oh rough. man, it <laughs> it was. Uh, I don't know what's what's more rough, and I know we'll jump into it, but it's like, do you? Do you want to know there's going to be a death happen and just wonder who it is? Or do you want to be surprised by a death and shocked on who it is? And uh, they, they don't fail to disappoint either way. Yeah, I, I stand by. I've, I've told a bunch of people. I, I even said to you the other night, I uh, I don't get bothered by watching anything like that. I don't get bothered by gore. I don't get bothered by any of that stuff. But I was really bothered by, by The Walking Dead. Like, I just felt really troubled yeah (laughs) just not not okay not all was right with the world afterwards it just 
It was rough. It was. <laughs> I uh, I felt like I lost a friend. It's like <laughs> no. <laughs> and so, uh, just so we get this out of the way, there will be spoilers. So if you have been hiding under a rock and have not watched the season premiere of Walking Dead, stop listening. <laughs> yeah. Listen to the top ten horror movie and then and then turn it off quick. But uh, yeah, it, we, it's a therapy session more than anything. Therapy yeah, session absolutely. more than a re- an episode <laughs> review. I know I'm gonna lay down on the couch while we record. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, this has been this has been kind of the week that I look forward to almost all year. Um, I remember being younger. Growing up, we would get basically 25 days, 31 days, 30 days of Halloween programming on TV. And uh, it's it's changed significantly. Um, we don't necessarily get all that anymore. Um, it's been shortened to 15 days for some, 13 days for others. Um, but with the return of The Walking Dead, AMC kind of expanded their fear fest um which every year it's almost all the same movies and all that stuff but it's the time i'll turn it on and watch it and even though they're edited down for tv it's some of my favorite stuff i love that i can just sit down on the couch turn on amc and there's some random horror movie on yeah um it's this has been the week that I look forward to most because the week right before Halloween is the week where they amp up all the programming and you see all the classics come on. Yeah. Um, It's, it's my favorite. So that's, that's what I've been invested in this week. Every time I sit down, I'm, if I'm not watching one of the, one of the normal shows, one of the DC shows or the, the standard geek fair, I'm sitting (laughs) down to watch, I'm sitting down to watch that stuff. So, uh, what about you? What have you been into lately? What's what's been your topic for the week? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm the same. I I I mean, it's you know, I don't go out to see horror movies, you know, anymore like I used to at the theater. So, uh, you know, I, I look forward to this week too. Um, and like you said, with AMC, they they've always been the good bank of you know where to go. <laughs> and it's funny you yep. say that like years ago that you know they they trimmed it down, they vamped it back up, but if you think about it all these all these um franchises now have 8 9 10 sequels. So <laughs> I just I turned it on tonight actually and <laughs> it was uh Child's Play 3 and yep. I I look ahead to see what's on later and it's like Bride of Chucky, Seed of Chucky. <laughs> it's yep. like all of They've... them. <laughs> they've literally they've played that all day today so uh we're recording on wednesday night so it's been on a loop because i think there's what six of them they're playing or five of them they're playing because they're not playing the most recent one. right but but it, it's funny they've been playing it on a loop and i turned it on and even my daughter was like oh is that chucky and i was like what yeah <laughs> uh, how do you know this? this yeah <laughs> and she was like oh it was on TV at daycare today, and I was like, uh, excuse what? me? <laughs> we got even worse what, problems. What, what she failed to tell me is that they were changing the channel, and they asked what it was, and that's how they learned. Wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, um, we should probably have a talk with the daycare provider. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, they have a good guy's doll in at your daycare when you take her in again, and you're like, nope. We're done. Yeah, we're searching. I know. That's what do. 
I'm like, I know she's my daughter, but she's not that in tune with pop culture yet. Like, yeah, <laughs> it was scary. <laughs> oh my. So, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the stuff that I look forward to. I, I still try and get out to see stuff in the theater, but I have a wife who is absolutely not going to see a horror movie. She refuses. Same. Same. <laughs> it's a big bummer. <laughs> My I, wife I, is only into slasher movies. It's like the only thing that won't like keep her up by like she won't even go near paranormal activity. Like she like anything beyond kind of very very fictional kind of thing. Sure. She, I don't know why slasher movies, that's kind of more realistic than anything to me, but um yeah, I don't know. She yeah, she's a big Michael Myers gig and scream and all that, but uh yeah, she just can't get into the ghost and like the the jump out scare thing. She won't have it. Yeah, I can't even I can't even get Carly to sit down and watch slasher stuff. Like it's just absolutely no. If it even remotely looks scary, yep, <laughs> she's not watching. She'll watch That's The funny. Walking Dead every week, but not not a chance she's going to the theater. <laughs> yep. <That laughs> so I often I often end up at the theater by myself on Saturday mornings watching movies. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's how I ended up seeing the newest Blair Witch. That's how I saw, I, I don't know, the last like two or three horror movies before that. So I, I definitely don't get to see as many as I used to. So it's uh, I wait till they are on home video and then I have to watch them late at night. <laughs> so my kids don't see them. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, first world problems, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So adult dad well, problems. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so to celebrate this year, uh, we're going to do a rundown of our top 10 horror movies, favorite horror movies. Um, they aren't, like I said, they aren't necessarily going to be classic horror movies. There are some things um, that kind of step outside that box that are staples for me personally. Um, we won't go into a whole lot of detail. We'll talk about, you know, each one a little bit, why it's our favorite and you know what our memories are of it um but beyond that i think we're just going to kind of run through the list so let's start with uh let's start with number 10 joe what do you have at number 10 well yeah um i mean as i, as I start mine and as i was thinking about mine i thought about more you know some of these just they aren't great movies to be honest and i'll put that Absolutely out there right now <laughs> you know <laughs> and, and but when i gave it some thought as i was writing this out i'm like some of these movies really made me think like just the premise. Sometimes yep. the premise is great, but you know, obviously it's not executed well. So, and, and that goes for my number 10, um, final destination. Um, I, I like this movie because I love the premise of just death chasing you. Um, I think as of course they made the sequels, it became very campy and, and cheesy and yeah and you know they tried to make death almost a monster then just this omnipresent thing that's everywhere and anywhere yeah but just um i mean the acting was pretty pretty terrible in the first one uh overall <laughs> but they got the point across well enough to i i enjoyed it i mean i would still go back and watch it if it was on tv right now if it was on fear fest like i'd probably watch it um yeah yeah, I don't disagree. I think that one's a really good one. It's it's one that actually I didn't even think of, but I uh, I have fond memories of Final Destination because I remember seeing the first one and uh, I like I grew up in a house where 
horror movies were foreboding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you will not watch this junk under my roof. And right. Yeah, it's, but I made me want to watch them all the more. And now I'm a massive fan of that genre. So I, uh, any chance I could get to see stuff like this, I would go and see it. And I was just pretty young, I guess, younger when this movie came out. But I remember seeing the first one and then the second one coming out in theaters. And I think I was, I was working for a movie theater at, at the time. And I think I probably saw the second Final Destination in theaters probably like 13 times <laughs> because it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Like, we would just yeah. go and just laugh at the deaths. It was yeah. really kind of morbid, but <laughs> very funny. Yeah. So That's I, what uh, I mean. It I got have, really campy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have a... I have a uh, soft spot in my heart for that that franchise. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I, I even some of the I've I've seen every one of them, but I, even some of the later entries, even though they do get campy, they kind of tie back into that first one, mm-hmm. kind of in a very creative way, and that, I really like that. I it seems like it became less about seeing what the deaths were going to be, and it was more about oh, wait, how does this tie in? And even though it was so inconsequential it meant absolutely nothing it was still really cool to try and figure out how they would tie them together yeah so when like i said the shock of the first one on like you know it's i think most people when you if you've never seen them before and you get first go in you're like oh it's it, like you're gonna slip and fall and then you know choke or get stabbed you know it, it just became yeah. more complex than you actually thought and i think that's what was cool about the first one is it kind of caught you off that guard but then in the second third fourth fifth and 28th one you're like it's uh you're like okay so you know how dramatic are we going to be and leading up to this and and stuff but the, yeah. the first one i think just the originality of it was was cool in, with the death scenes particularly yeah it was it was you'd watch it and you'd go, Oh my gosh, well that's going to be what kills him. And then, you know, you, you'd look past it and, Oh, that's not what's going to kill him. What's going to kill him. And then it'd be the most simple thing. So it was the idea that something so simple could be so deadly was what was kind of unique about it. So it, uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's a worthy successor to classic horror franchises. Um, it's a definitely a different take and it's like I said, it's one that I honestly hadn't thought about, but yeah, it's definitely a good one to add to the list. So, um, so my number 10, uh, is a little more classic. It's a little more the ones you find on most lists, but it's pretty far down on my list. Um, I, I picked the exorcist at number 10. Um, I don't think the movie is, scary at all uh personally it didn't affect me in that way i don't i didn't get bothered by it i picked it more for the fact that it is a amazing piece of cinematography like yeah everything all the effects um the the performances in it it's there are some things in it that are pretty intense like and you you can get pretty scared by it i'd don't hold it against anybody who says, well, this is one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. It doesn't affect me that way. The supernatural stuff doesn't tend to bother me that way. Um, but this was, it, I remember the first time I ever saw it, I was just shocked by what I was seeing. I didn't fully understand, you know, the premise of it at the time, but I was, I was fairly young when I saw it. And uh, I just remember watching it going, 
this is not scary at all. And then the second time I saw it, I was like, man, yeah, I stand by. This is not scary, but wow, this is really cool. And it almost had a, like, I hold John Carpenter's The Thing up there as one of the ultimate, like, pinnacles of what visual effects can accomplish. This movie sits right behind it because what they could do on a shoestring budget with, you know, a flight of stairs and a possessed girl in a single room was just horrifying. Like it's, you watch this stuff happen to her and what's happening to her is more terrifying than horror. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so it's, it's just a, that's one that's on my list simply because of the, the effect that it can have on people and the, and the, the way that the filming was done. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's always a staple, you know, anybody that likes the horror genre, you know, it, 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 the classic scenes, I mean, they're replayed, they're provided a parody for a lot of people. So, oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I agree. It's it's one of those, you know, um, and I'll probably misquote, what, 70s, early 80s? Um, 70s. Yeah, I thought it was 70s. Um, and, and you look back at it and you got to appreciate it for that time. And like you said, the fact that it holds up, just awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, my dad worked in Washington, D.C. forever. Um, and as we would drive down to either meet him or to take family into D.C. or whatever we were doing, the way you get into the city, you have to drive past the set of stairs that they shot the the big ending scene on where the priest falls down the stairs right you know so he flies out the window falls down this massive flight of stairs and he is dead well you drive past him and those stairs are still there and they are scary as hell it's the scariest <laughs> thing i've ever seen because yeah. i wouldn't walk up those stairs in the winter <laughs> right so it's uh it's one of those things that i was always like oh i know where that is and it <laughs> kind of had a sense of uh, you know, personal tie to it i guess so right all right man so that's my number 10 what's your number nine number nine um is actually the texas chainsaw massacre um you know it old ones are, are definitely classic they they um yeah redid them there in, in the 2000s which i got a chance to see and i say yeah actually i mean i i think I don't know the the whole demented family overall where it's not just like it's not just him you know what i mean it's sure he's not solo it, it's his whole crazy family and it like leads in and uh you know with the sheriff and everything um i'll tell you what actually got me most uh, my favorite part of the remake uh in the early 2000s was the very end the like the oh, actual yeah. footage yep. they shown that was yeah that was easily the most terrifying part of the movie only because you think all right you know it's it's well shot and all this for a remake all blah 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 but when they show the actual footage and it's just like they freeze frame it on his face you're like wow like okay it got real all right <laughs> yeah well and that's uh, ironically that's the part of the movie that's really most true to the original movie is right. that footage that found footage aspect of it mm -hmm. um that that was one of the it, it was one that i didn't put on my list but i struggled to not put on my list um because Same. the the original the original texas chainsaw massacre has this gritty nasty 
quality to it. Like, it just seems like it's something you shouldn't be watching. It's almost snuff film quality. Right. Um, so it feels, you just feel awful watching it, even though it's just this demented look at crazy, crazy people. Um, so the, the, the idea that, that they could capture even a little bit of that spirit in the remake, I, I loved the, the first remake, um, the one with Jessica Biel and Eric, yeah. Eric, Eric Balfour and all those people. Um, I, the sequel, which actually ended up being the prequel, was not as good. Uh, and then subsequently they've done other ones that are kind of, they go back to the original timeline. It's the first official sequel that ties directly to the end of the story. And so it, it, they've been trying to bring that back. Actually, I think there's another one that they just finished shooting. Um, I think that was so, supposed yeah. to be out. I think it was supposed to be out this year and it got pushed back. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think the first remake was was clearly the best of them, and it captured that sense of what the the original was like the best. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely the original one is definitely a tough movie to watch, and it's again, well, I don't think it's one of the scariest movies. I think it's pretty intense, and yeah. I can see how people were affected by it. So yeah, no doubt. Oh, that's awesome. A good choice, man. Yeah, thanks. All right, so uh, my number nine, again, kind of another staple, uh, another classic one, one that I don't necessarily classify as a horror film. Um, I would say this falls more into genre, uh, the genre of, of drama and suspense, but not so much horror. Uh, that's The Shining. Um, yeah. I am a stanley kubrick fiend i love the way he shoots films the way he shot films um i love the music he uses the the crazy things he kind of puts in in frame uh that are signs of things to come um jack nicholson's performance is absolutely riveting um you know, there are stories from the set about how he tortured Shelley Duvall and uh, how Kubrick tortured Shelley Duvall and trying to capture sheer terror out of her performance. And uh, it's a long movie. It's, like I said, it, again, doesn't affect me in the way that a lot of people have been affected by it. But it's still, it's a very disturbing movie when you watch it. And it leaves you walking away going, what did I just watch? What just happened? And it's... uh it's pretty intense. Uh, this, the score, the, uh, is amazing. Um, it's one of the best kind of horror themes and it wasn't even made specifically for the movie. So it, uh, it's, it's one of those ones that I have to be in the right mood to watch. I have to really be in the, I, I have to have a full amount of time to sit down and watch the entire thing. Right. But I do get an urge from time to time to watch it. It's pretty far removed from the Stephen King book. This, the miniseries that came out in the 90s was actually closer to the book, but I love the original movie. I think it's it's brilliant. I, I love everything about it, and uh, I love a lot of the the images, the foreshadowing, the kind of the hidden messages in the, the film. And they've actually made some really cool documentaries around it. Some of the ideas about some of the symbology that's shown in the film and things like that. Uh, and how they tie to other events in history and what they actually represent. 
some of them are a little far-fetched, but the, the idea that you could find that stuff in his cinematography and it's it could possibly be true is really fascinating to me. I actually see something new almost every time I watch it. So, yeah, uh, I I think that's a great one on your list. I, I like how ours are differing uh, a little bit from each other, just because it's it's kind of fun to hear you know the experience and and how we've viewed movies. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, I mean uh, Jack Nicholson is always the perfect kind of crazy. You know, he he, he does well in regular lighthearted drama you know as, as yeah. he's shown in a couple different movies but man especially in his early years and you know one of the first things i saw him in was he was the joker and in, in the 89 batman um yep. and he, he is he's he can be the perfect kind of crazy and uh yeah i agree it's it's a great performance it's a great setting and uh you know everything they do in that movie is is just kind of well well balanced yeah. and makes you think yeah yeah, so. it's it's the the setting is definitely a character in and of itself, and that's one of the I don't, I don't know one of the weirdest one of the weirdest things about me, I guess. <laughs> I there's something inherently creepy about landscape, about um, like large structures in the middle of nowhere, about you know large things where they shouldn't be. Um, towering equipment that doesn't look like it should be balanced but like that kind of stuff just i i get a weird feeling from it so the idea of this isolated massive resort in the middle of a complete mountain range with nothing around it is creepy it's its own character and the way that the landscape turns into their prison you kind of see that mirrored in his performance where you start off knowing that he is batshit insane. I mean, like he is nuts and you know it, but he manages to convince you that, Oh, there's some sanity. There's some goodwill in this guy. He's trying to bring his family together. He's trying to do right by them. And then you just see, Nope, Nope. That was all misleading. He's actually just nuts and he's going to kill everyone. <laughs> so it's a, it's that slow burn and the turn that really work for that story. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of one, too. I'm, I'm glad they haven't really touched on that one anymore. You know, just kind of let it be. Um, you like to see how things can be remade. Most of the time it's not good or great, so it's kind of nice. Yeah. I think the remake is as close as we'll get to someone ever really touching that property again. I mean, yeah. at least for a, a long while. It's right. uh there's some classic things you just don't go after. <laughs> right. You, you don't remake the Godfather. You don't remake the shining. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like, just leave it alone. I, I'm pretty sure that's in like the filmmaker's Bible. So <laughs> you, well, you they've already these things. ripped some pages from that, I think, but I'm pretty sure they have. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. Moving on. What do you got at um, eight? Well, kind of speaking of settings, um, this one, I, you know, it really kind of came out of left field as I was thinking about this list, but um, I got a, a, you know, I like vampires done right, and um, this movie really stood out. So, Thirty Days of Night is my number oh, eight. Oh man, and that's another yeah, one I didn't even think of. Oh wild, man, right? that's so, a good one. I think I picked this one because vampires are absolutely done right, and like we just said, the setting has a lot to do with that because it's set in Alaska. 
you know, these guys are, are kind of already beaten down by, you know, snow and the weather uh, that's handled up there. But, you yeah. know, it's nighttime all the time and it's like, you know, what better better atmosphere for a vampire than, you know, this. And it's just like, you know, I haven't seen it in a while, I'll be honest. It's, But I just remember I've watched it a few times when it came out. Um, and it was just like, wow, this is cool. It's not like this whole Dracula take, you know, classic vampire. Yep. It's kind of a new age thing. And, you know, it didn't get a lot of hype. And which almost made it nice because there's not 31 days of night coming out anytime soon as a sequel. Um, so, um, again, I just, I, pretty simplistic. I like that it was vampires done right and uh, it was cool setting, well done, you know, and it, it, it was cool. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, I think it's a really good movie. I actually love the, the way they portrayed the vampires in it. Um, it's obviously based on great source material. It's it's an amazing graphic novel series. Um, and unfortunately, they did try and do a sequel, and it was a directive. Oh, really? Directive D- DVD one. Oh. Yeah, it's called, it's called uh, 30 Days of Night, uh, Dark Days, I think is what it's called. Wow. Um, I'm glad I yeah, didn't see that then. It's bad. It's really bad. I mean, they try and pick up right where... I don't, I don't want to say right where, but they pick up with the same characters played by different people. Um, and I remember trying to watch it and I, I was like, this is not even close. I get it. I'm done. I can't watch this. Um, <laughs> but the original one, I, that, that first one is really good. I actually, I, obviously spoilers here. I love that they kill the main character at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, I absolutely love the way that the vampires are portrayed. Danny Houston is brilliant um and they portray the vampires almost as bird-like um they have like jerky movements and they're very demonic too i mean yeah it's 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 very weird you know i I, there's so many turns you take and you know i think a lot of people drift towards that kind of dracula like lover somewhat soft dramatic vampire yeah but like when you just go all out make them vicious i mean they just um, I got another one on my list that that beat this one um, that I'll bring up. And it, it, same thing. You just make them vicious about it. It's just, that's my favorite thing. Yeah, I, I really, really like that movie. Um, I think that's a good choice because, again, it's not, not necessarily horror fare, but it's uh, it really kind of breaks the mold of that traditional look at something. So, yeah. The, the setting plays a very big part, like you said, and it fits perfectly for the kind of story they're trying to tell. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's a really good choice, and it's one that I definitely had forgotten about. So, well, I added to your watch list before right. Halloween. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> one that, it's one that I have in the collection. I'll be breaking it out, that's for sure. <laughs> so, um, my list, as I'm looking at it again, I'm laughing because... As I look down my list, it goes from, you know, kind of like the classic horror to the more modern stuff. <laughs> it's mine's reverse actually, actually. So the, it's there are some exceptions. There's some exceptions here, but um, so my number eight is probably the the horror movie that has ruined uh, ruined life for a lot of people. It's uh, it's one that will change the way you view. 
a topic forever, um, and it has the ability to profoundly affect the way you live your life. <laughs> um, Jaws, Steven oh, Spielberg's yes. Jaws. I, that, that was so close to making the list, actually. It's one that I almost left off my list, and then I thought about it, and I was like, no, it, it's amazing. Uh, I mean, Spielberg's earliest work is obviously some of his best work. Um, but Jaws, I mean, for everything that went wrong during the shooting process, what came out on screen was so brilliant. Right. And the, the way it affects people and <laughs> changed the way people vacation in the summer <laughs> yeah. is, is amazing. Um, it's, I, I can't honestly say that it's not affected me. I don't have this paralyzing fear of the ocean. Uh, I will go in the ocean. I like going to the ocean, <laughs> but is never far from my mind when I'm wading out into water that, oh my gosh, a shark might be here. Yeah. <laughs> like, you just can't help but think about it. Um, and I mean, there's just some, again, while it might not be kind of a traditional horror movie, it's a, it's kind of a traditional monster movie. They're out on this hunt. You know, you've got the Captain Ahab type character who's after his big find. He's after his white whale. And, uh, the story that Quint gets to tell on the boat about um, about the war is just it's harrowing. Like mm-hmm. it's it, it cuts you to the core each time, and it's one of the best monologues I've ever heard. Um, but then, of course, the action towards the end was Richard Dreyfus and Roy Scheider, and uh, the, just the way that everything comes together at the end, and the smile, you son of a bitch, and all that stuff. It's brilliant. It's a yeah. great movie. The sequels are garbage, <laughs> but the Jaws original TV? movie. Come oh on. man! Oh, how about Jaws? Jaws Four, Christmas Time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Jaws Four: The Revenge. <laughs> yes. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty. They got pretty bad. They got pretty bad real fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the I'm, that original one, like I said. The, the, its ability to have an effect on somebody that profound is another one of those reasons that I picked it just like the other ones before it. It's a, it's, I can see how it would strike terror into people. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you got to go back and like now that's why, you know, it's probably another reason I have a hard time watching horror movies now is because I'm so, you know, have this feeling of being above you know, just diving in and, and being engulfed by the movie. But um, back then, I can only think about, you know, being in the theater line, going to see this thing and coming out, especially if you live near a beach. Like, oh, man, it like would ruin people, your life. <laughs> people were afraid to get in their bathtubs. And I mean, <laughs> can you only imagine? Like, I, I, that would be terrifying. And I mean, it wasn't, that's what made it a good, like you said, monster movie and, and all but a horror movie in its own right because i mean those things were brutal and it's real granted the thing was like ginormous um yeah but at the same time that's that's real like that can be out there and that is that that's what gets people is is that realism it's not some frankenstein monster werewolf it is it can be a real, real life danger. So no, I I love that, and I, it almost yeah. made my list, but it didn't. Um, those are those are some of the things that typically affect me the most is the stuff that could be real. Um, yeah, 
even even if it is a little bit exaggerated, the stuff that borders on the it's almost too real for me to be comfortable with. Right. <laughs> That's the stuff that gets me. <laughs> yep. So, no, I'm, I'm right good. there with you. Well, okay. uh realism goes out the window with with my next one. Yeah, um, mine too. <laughs> <laughs> um and though it's it's in the horror film genre, you know, it's definitely lost its its pizzazz and that's uh, uh Freddy Krueger, the classic Nightmare on Elm Street. Um <laughs> It hit my list a little bit deeper because it's one of those things, again, I like the concept, and I really wish, and I actually just read an article about this on the remake yeah, just a couple I saw years this. ago, and how, you know, the premise could have been so, it could have been done so well, um, and really kind of engulfing just this this child molester, and getting into the background of Freddy and how real that is. Yeah. And how haunting it would be if somebody like that kind of came back and was haunting your dreams. Like, that That hit me. I'm like, man, that, that is deep. You know, he, it, the Freddy Krueger we know is just this, he's pretty much a demonic comedian. Um, yeah. That really, like I said, lost its fizzle. The more years you got into it, it was less creepy and it was more like, what's the next punchline? But, yeah, if you go back to the original, like, just haunting your dreams and... And, you know, I think that premise can still hit hard for a lot of people, you know what I mean? They're afraid to fall asleep because it's like, well, if I dream of Freddy, I'm, I am screwed. Um, yeah. So, again, that's what I like about it. And, you know, it's it's one of those classics that we grew up on, and it's, it's 1980s slasher movie at its best. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I think the first one is is the best in the series and it's the most horror like uh it definitely jumps into that horror comedy genre like the rest of the late 80s started to do in all the series um across the board everything kind of transitioned to more of that that tone um you got either the schlock fest of like the just horrible cheesy cashing in on any property type stories and then you got the ones that were just trying to yearly bring in an audience and bring them back in with telling terrible jokes and <laughs> all that kind of stuff so uh yeah i i definitely uh, i'm i'm on board with that one that's a really good one to pick um ironically my number seven is also a freddy krueger film but it's uh, it's my favorite of the entire series, uh, and that's uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Three: The Dream Warriors. Oh, okay, <laughs> nice. I absolutely love this one. Um, it's it, I'll preface that by saying you can't really love this one without loving the first one. That being said, I love the idea of all these kids together who've been put in a mental hospital because they all have these crazy things going on with them. No one believes them. And yet, you know, they're powerless outside in the real world. But when they get in their dreams, they realize that they have power and they can take on Freddy and stuff. And it's just before Freddy really starts to jump into the comic territory. Um, he's, he does have some of the campy lines and the jokes and stuff, but they're not as, not as extreme as the later entries in the franchise. Um, I love the idea of, you know, the very, the very final kind of fight for final battle is 
all these kids enter the dream world, the ones that have made it, and they have powers in their dreams. They're going to fight Freddy. They're going to go to war, and they're embracing, you know, this stuff. And what I actually love at the end of it is they kill the original series star. They have three survivors, four, four survivors, and yet they're they're breaking the mold of, of other horror movies. Um, I think some of the deaths in it are amazing. They're great. Uh, it's definitely not scary. Uh, <laughs> not at all. Um, but it's, it's one of the ones that I've, I've come to appreciate most in that series. Yeah. Um, I feel like that was one other than the original that's played most on TV for some reason too. <laughs> Like I think so too. Yeah, it, it's, it, I for think... some reason it was like I, every time we turned it on, kind of feeling that was yeah. the one that was on. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. You know, you you brought up some good points there, and I I agree to them all in the sense of, you know, the diversity of characters that they had. You know, they all had their own mental problems. One kid was mute, couldn't speak, wouldn't speak, trying to help. You know, and then. The kid in the wheelchair, you know, I go through them yep. all, of course. But I think the one that that was the craziest was uh, the the kid that tried to like slit his wrist to get in there, I, and then it's he this, pulled that's his. That's the scene from the movie that sticks out in my head all the time. Yeah, like the the puppeteering scene, like it's the one that just sticks with me, and it makes me cringe because mm-hmm. it just makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> it does. It's, and then it's yeah, like, it's something about it. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is that the whole premise of Freddy Krueger and the series is, you know, he's in the dream, and then of course, you know, he's being the puppet. But everybody outside just thinks he's sleepwalking, and then jumps to his death. And it's kind of like this whole. That's what, again why I made my list is because the whole premise of it is these unexplained deaths to everybody else, but the key, the kids that are having them, like they get it, and they know, and it's not. It's just maddening um yeah no i agree i, I like that one and i remember it fondly because like i said it was just there was a lot uh it was on a lot yeah yeah i agree that one's it's the one that's most played and i i think it's probably because it's the one that has the most uh most famous people behind it um it's probably the you know the one that most people rally behind right <laughs> it's uh it, it's it's definitely a it's a standout in that series um for me that that series is you go with the original i love the third one and then i love Wes craven's new nightmare which is a complete divergence from the series and an entirely new take on how crazy this can actually be so i uh i i, I love the series and i think uh i think yeah you and i both picked some some good ones from it yeah Actually, New Nightmare is definitely... I don't know if it was the time frame that it came out to where I was, like, in middle school and really got into horror yep. films and, like... And it was a darker Freddy. Uh, yeah, that, that... A lot of fond memories about that one, too. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, uh, as we get on to... Oh, what is this? Number six. Um, yep. Here, I kind of start dialing back because a lot of these movies now, I'm going a little bit more classic with, with the rest of my list um, because it, it just the way it affected me... Whereas, you said you didn't grow grow up in a household that welcomed horror films. Well, my my parents didn't necessarily, you know, promote it and come home and make me watch five movies a night around Halloween. <laughs> my 
when I showed interest, my mom was always like, you have to watch this. Like, this will scare your pants off. Like, you'll yeah. pee the bed after you watch this. And I'm like, I'm again in, like, middle school. And I'm like, okay, mom. You know, so, um, and this is one of those movies. And I don't know if, if you know it or if you've seen it, but it's Silver Bullet. Oh, um, man. I just watched it the other day. <laughs> yeah. So, this is this is my birth year movie, 1985. Um, and it is classic werewolf and yeah. it's one of those things too. Like I said, with the vampire, I like the, these, these movie monsters have become so diverse in how they're played, portrayed and when they're done right and they're done vicious, I mean, it gets cool and creative and this was just an eighties classic, um, that, I mean, for a werewolf, like werewolves do not affect me at all. But when I watched this as a kid, I mean, it sticks with me that, like, this this is cool. Like, this is well done. Gary Busey, you know, before, oh, know. before he went <laughs> bad. Um, uh, the, man, again, the, just, cast, the cast of that movie is insane. First of all, yep. it's, a Stephen, it's a Stephen King movie. Yep. But you've got Gary Busey, Corey Haim. Um, you get Terry O'Quinn uh, in it. From uh, who was on Lost eventually, um, and Everett McGill. Like, I mean, these guys are like horror staples. <laughs> right. They they've got them all in there. And Gary Busey, he's interesting no matter where he turns up because he's just nuts. Um, right. <laughs> but yeah, it's the cast of this movie alone is enough to make you want to go watch it. Whatever. Well, again, playing the Reverend. I mean, he played that dual role so so well, um, and. It, you know, it was kind of like you just saw that inner demon in him. You know, it, it was cool. That's all I can say. I I think as a kid, it you know the the pop out of the wall and scary moments. You know, might have got me. Now I can kind of appreciate it just for being like an '80s classic and you know monster movie per se. But again, I like the viciousness of of how they played it. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, really. Everett McGill kind of makes the movie for me because, I mean, let's face it, the 80s were like, the late 80s where he was reigning supreme. The guy mm -hmm. looks at, about as evil as a person can look. Yeah. Uh, he, he's sinister, like he's imposing, and there's not a chance in the world that you would trust this guy to be a minister. <laughs> so the fact that right. he, uh, the fact that he ends up being the... The, the werewolf and the end of it and the way they hunt him down, you know, he gets shot in the eye with a bottle rocket. And then, uh, then, uh, the sister goes and tries to track down who in the town got shot with the bottle rocket. And then they've got to make everyone believe him. <laughs> and then, you know, he tries to go after the kid as a werewolf. It doesn't work out. Then he goes after him as a human. And that's when people start believing him. And it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's awesome. Uh, I love that movie. I literally just watched it two days ago and was like, I forget how good this movie is, and it's it's not a good movie at all. Like it's a terrible movie. It's horrible script, but it is a great campy, slocky werewolf film. Like, and it's no perfect. Um, the other one that kind of fits in that vein, and it didn't make it on my list. Uh, it would kind of be an honorable mention for me. Would be a, a Maximum Overdrive. Kind of had that same campy, schlocky vibe. You know, Stephen King story again. He got all these people in a diner surrounded by trucks. I just remember watching it late at night when I was a kid. It was come on TV all the time. And uh, 
It was on like the, uh, what was it? The, I can't remember what the series was called, but Joe Bob Briggs hosted this like monster diner or something like that. Yes. Yes. Wow. That's how I, I, anytime I was sick, I'd be late at, up late at night and I'd be watching these <laughs> cheesy, terrible horror movies. I remember that. Yeah. Was that like USA Network or something like that? US, yeah, I believe I believe it was back when USA was actually showing movies. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I, it's, that's another one of those movies that fits just in that mold. And I, I think that might have been the first place I ever saw Silver Bullet, too. It, it's just some of those 80s Stephen King stories made great, great campy movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think they're some of the best horror films that we still have today when you're looking for like nostalgic horror (laughs) right so yeah that's a that's a really good choice i like that one a lot i like that one so uh for me uh like i said my my list starts to get a little bit newer um we deviate a, a little bit um number six for me is scream uh wes craven kind of is at it again through uh kind of rejuvenating the horror franchises. Um, the horror genre had all but fallen away uh, in the mid-90s, 90, early 90s. Um, and then uh, then you roll around to 96, and Kevin Williamson comes on the screen. He's huge with Dawson's Creek. And they say, hey, we want you to write a bunch of movies. So he turns in a bunch of spec scripts, and one of them ends up being something called Scary Movie, which later goes on to be called Scream. Um, the self-referential look at that movie, the, how meta it is, uh, is amazing. Uh, as a fan of horror movies, I appreciate the, the tropes that they recognize and then try and deviate from. Um, yet at the same time, they still capture all those tropes, uh, in a way that doesn't seem unnatural to the story they're telling. Uh, again, not a horror movie that I think is scary. Not even one that, up to this point anymore, I would call a horror movie. It's more of a thriller, a, a mystery. Um, I enjoyed the the whole trying to solve it aspect of it. Um, that was one of the things that I liked across the series. Uh, while the, the later films are definitely inferior, uh, and they end up following kind of the same formulas, that first one breaks the mold of, all horror that came before it and it kind of reset what horror looks like for a modern generation. So that's uh that's one of the big ones on my list simply because of the impact it had on the genre and how it moved moved us from the slasher period of the eighties into the more modern horror. Well and uh it it actually made a higher rank on my list um because again and I, I think I, I see a pattern and I already kind of admitted to it which was uh, these movies that i watched around middle school time frame when i really started diving in and analyzing kind of wow that's that could be crazy and that is crazy and like that probably middle school is about the time i i would have loved and had a dream once of being you know like a a writer producer actor just kind of in the film industry and um just yeah i i remember where I watched this movie, um, and there is no other opening scene to me, the first five, I guess, ten minutes maybe of a horror movie that captures you like this. 
I mean, oh, yeah. there's, it's not the slow build. That's the thing. It's not this quick, you know, not quick, but, you know, again, slow build to origin the, the killer. It is like, boom, he's here. They're here. Yeah. And, and they're, I mean, that, that horrific, you know, when the parents come out and see her hanging from the tree. Um, wow. I mean, well, it, 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 when you look at it, it breaks again. This is a movie that breaks the mold. You take someone who has been, first of all, is a big name actress. She, she's been around for a long time. Drew Barrymore at this point is the star of the film. They've marketed her as the star of this film. And then what you get is a 15 minute short film at the beginning of this other film that she doesn't win in. You, you learn real quick that she's not the main character in this story because holy crap, she's dead already. Yeah. That it, I mean, they completely throw the, the rule book out the window. It, it changed everything about horror cinema because it took all those things that were so frequently done, the camp, the, the, the repeated attempts at things. And, and even, you know, as they moved into the sequels, they covered some of the stuff that happens in sequels and trilogies and stuff. But it, it, the rules that they set up, um, you know, my favorite character in the entire movie is, is Jamie Kennedy's character of Randy, because Randy. I'm that guy. <laughs> like, I, I know those rules. I understand. <laughs> you can't have sex and live. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> The, sorry, those are the rules. That's what happens. You die. <laughs> so yeah. it, the the fact that he, you know, they establish those rules. He tells you everything. He's kind of your guide through it. The fact that he lives at the end. I was like, yes, that is that's the guy. That's who I am. That's who I am in these stories. <laughs> but yeah, that's it the, was. It's it's definitely it's one of those films that it completely. I wish I would have seen it in theaters because I remember seeing the preview for it uh, when we saw something else. I, you know, I don't know what it was. I was younger, so I don't remember. But um, I remember friends telling me about it after they had seen it, and then of course I had to I had to get it the day it came out to the video store. I had to run out and get it because I had to watch it and try and watch this mystery. What was that place called again? Oh yeah, Blockbuster Video. Yeah. What was Blockbuster. that? Blockbuster. <laughs> Mine was, uh, this one was, uh, A to Z video, I think is what it was called. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. yeah, it was a local place and they had, um, their horror section was amazing, but, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's one of those movies, like I said, that kind of, it is a paradigm shift. So it, the fact that it, you know, by today's standards, you might look back at it and go, yeah, another screen one, uh, whatever. Uh, you know, an inferior slasher that kind of still copied everything. Now, well, when you really look at it as as the whole picture and the effect that it had on the industry, man, it's it, it's impressive. It's impressive, and and Wes Craven has left a masterful horror legacy. Yeah, yeah, I I couldn't agree more. It's one I could probably talk about for a while. It's why it it bumped up on my list a little bit just because it it was very impactful. Yeah, I, I would say. I would say it would have moved up higher in my list if my list hadn't turned into more of like the movies that affected me profoundly. Right. So, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, it kind of divides my list into the, the old and the new. So it kind of rightfully fits. <laughs> okay. 
Well, I, again, I'm I'm kicking it back again uh, for my next one, and I I mentioned before the vampires made the list twice, and um, this one kind of like we said, uh, you know, uh, the horror genre I think is kind of hard to describe, and and you know, pinpoint one, you know, just say horror movie other than suspense thriller, you know, like you said earlier, drama, but um, Lost Boys made my list. Oh man, another good and, one. <laughs> It's like action horror because whereas I think, again, these vampires were kind of like that vicious, like, and how cool, you know, teenage or, you know, whatever, late teenagers that are just like, you know, hormonal and hungry and like, can you only imagine that if they're a vampire? And I think it was a a really cool way to, to take that. I will tell you the single probably scariest thing of that movie to me was the score the music at that beginning with those like children chorus like thou shall not get like still freaks me out like that sets the tone of the movie and then just like the whole peer you know thing I, i i remember that very very um easily when i think about that movie so uh yeah, it's definitely there on my list as uh as one of the top ranked. Yeah, I mean it's got it's it's another one of those classic eighties ones. Like it's Corey Haim, Corey Feldman, Kiefer Sutherland, Ed Herman, Diane Weist. Uh jeez, I mean you keep going on, Jamie Gertz, uh I'm trying to think of all the other ones that I know were in it. Alex Winter's in it. Yeah. I mean my God, like it it's it's a virtual who's who of of 80s people jason patrick um the the fact that the fact that that one didn't even cross my mind for this list it's a it's a great one uh yeah i love everything about it the frog brothers um the the whole twist at the end of, of revealing you know the guy she's been dating is the vampire the chief vampire all along and yeah it's a joel schumacher film you know of all the people to direct a great 80s horror film or, or you know like i said I, I wouldn't necessarily classify it horror but it that type of film i would not expect it to be joel schumacher <laughs> right know, the guy the guy who brought his rubber nippled batman also brought us an amazing vampire story <laughs> yeah so um yeah I, I i agree that's a really good choice i like that one a lot it's you're right the score is pretty creepy i like the setting i like that they're kind of at the beach i mean it's got some some amazing quotes from it like the death by stereo <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah the, all that they just stuff go is, to is amazing like, yeah two kids See, like uh, going to war with them and and you know they're kind of like we just said about scream trying to you know basing off of comics and stuff and stake through the heart and all that it's it's definitely comical in in its own right because it's trying to be but yet it, it does have that vicious quality a little bit too. And yeah, I mean, I, I think it's like you said, just one of those that may not be the classic true horror sense, but man, if, if it's on, you know, TV, I'm, I'm glued. Yeah. That's a, it's a really good one. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you picked that one. Cause that's uh that's one that tends to, uh, to slip my mind as well. Yeah. You've, you've managed to nail a lot of the ones that, are favorites of mine that just don't necessarily reside at the front of my mind. Yeah. But yeah, that's a that's a really good one. I like that a lot. Yeah, man. 
So what do you got for your five? All right, for number five, um, I've got one of the more recent entries in the horror genre. Uh, it follows. The film came out uh, in 2015. It starred uh, Michael Monroe, uh, who was just recently in um, the sequel to Independence Day. Uh, it's kind of a slow burn thriller suspense movie. Uh, the idea being that you have sex with somebody, you catch this thing where this it follows you to try and track you down. It has one purpose. It's going to walk after you and kill you. It comes at a normal pace, and that's what it does. That's its only purpose. Its sole purpose is to track you down and kill you. And doesn't matter where you go, eventually it's going to show up. Um, the movie's basically a, a metaphor for, you know, for sexually transmitted diseases. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it really is. Um, Michael Monroe is amazing. Uh, I think she's like the next scream queen in my opinion like she had done several movies very close together uh she did the guest she did it follows and a couple other things um it was done by david robert mitchell uh directed by him uh written by him as well and they set it in detroit where again kind of my whole thing for landscapes and stuff it, it, like it's a very creepy environment because it's abandoned um it's the, the movie kind of has a semi-timeless feel to it they don't really give you a time frame that it resides in there's not a bunch of people on cell phones like the only technology you see in the thing is this little clamshell e-reader um so, so that you're really kind of this could have happened at any point or you could be at any point in time with it um virtually but it uh it's got a good cast of, of decent actors like it just shows you kind of you have to live with the consequences of your action. Uh, it, the whole concept of, of being chased and not being able to stop something is something that I think from an early age was, was one of those things that was very terrifying to me. Uh, I remember when I was a kid growing up, one of those, I, I didn't put it on my list because it's not truly a horror movie, but one of the scariest movies to me was The Terminator. And it <laughs> was because... It was just this relentless force coming after her to kill her. And mm -hmm. it was just, I'd sit there and I'd watch it. I'd put my leg up on the table and my leg would just shake. Cause I'd be like, Oh my God, run faster, run faster. <laughs> and it would just, <laughs> it would just eat at me. Cause like the suspense of when is it going to show up and capture her? So that kind of carried over a little bit. And that the feel of that in this movie, um, there's some really haunting images that, that it can show up looking like anything, anyone. It can look like somebody you know. It can look like somebody you've never met before. And there are some great jump scares where it builds the suspense so long, and then all of a sudden you get a payoff, and it just it will shock the crap out of you. It's uh, it is one of one of my favorite most recent horror movies. The soundtrack was amazing. Uh, it has a very 80s vibe to it. So I, it's, it's one that I've come to appreciate a lot. I can't wait to see what the guy does next. So, uh, I can't really follow up. I haven't seen it, but now I am, uh, <laughs> very interested. So that's... I would highly recommend it yeah. is a, uh, it is a very good one. So it's a, it's 
not long either. It's only about uh, probably about a hundred minutes long. So it's definitely worth it. Cool. But, uh, That'll go on the list. All right. So let's move on. What do you got at number four? Um, yet another classic, thanks to uh, Mama Trace. Um, this is one of the same exact thing as Silver Bullet. She said, you know, if, if you want your pants to be scared off, uh, you know, you got to watch this. And I think just seeing it at a young age and knowing it scared my mom, you know, that kind of got me going. But uh, yep. The Omen, the classic, <sighs> the original Omen. It's all um, for you, Damien. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that kid, and again, you know the the effects are terrible. It's it's a seventies movie that you know you just got to respect the time that it was made. But I tell you what, man, that just that kid's look it it scared the pants off of me when I was younger, and um, that's all I could say. It had a, a good effect, and I think just the whole demon child thing and not knowing he is, I don't know just yeah um, it, it it probably could have fallen a little bit deeper on the list but when i think of being truly scared that was kind of one of those things that like just hit me when i was younger so respecting the time that i saw and the time it was made it, it was a good classic horror movie yeah I'd, I'd agree with that i think there's something about that category that just doesn't resonate with me personally um like that there's the exorcist Omen, Rosemary's Baby, they kind of all fall into that same same subcategory almost. And there's, they are some of the best movies, best horror movies made, but I, they just don't resonate with me as much. So I, yeah. I was never a big fan of The Omen, but I do, I, I have seen it. I know, you know, what the story is and I I don't dislike the movie. It's just not my favorite. Um, yeah. But, but it's, I can see again how somebody who's seeing it at a certain point in their life could be very affected by it it's it's a pretty disturbing concept um so yeah it's it's definitely it's a good choice and i can see why it made it that high on your list it's a classic it's got some great performances in it the uh the remake was garbage (laughs) yeah i didn't even go Uh, see it i'll be honest i was like i don't i don't want this tarnished i don't even want to nope yeah don't don't waste your time it's it's pretty awful yeah um even the sequels are not very good, but yeah, I, I kind of have to feel bad for that kid because after he did that movie, there's no way he had a normal childhood. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just must have been like tortured, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, but yeah, that's a that's a good one too. I like that one. Um, so for my number four, uh, it is one of the movies that probably disturbed me most uh, as a child. And even to this day, there's some, some times that it'll come on and I'm just like, I'm not watching that right now. It kind of just weirds me out. <laughs> um, it's another Stephen King classic. It's uh, Pet Cemetery. The, uh, the original Pet Cemetery is, the book is a far superior story. That being said, the movie is put together in a way that kind of jumps around in time enough that it makes it a little hard to follow exactly what's going on and who's doing what and what their motivation for things are. But it was one that used to come on TV all the time. And I think that there is something so absolutely terrifying about the scene where her sister is dying in the attic. Um, 
like it just destroys me like i can't even watch it like it weirds me out there's a scene where she runs at the camera um she's all emaciated and green looking and she's choking on her food and she's just rachel rachel i can't (laughs) (laughs) to this day i i like i picture that scene and it just makes me shudder because i it it is one of the most creepy things i've ever seen the rest of the movie i don't find terribly creepy like it's more sad um the idea of losing a child and and all this stuff like it's a great performance by uh fred gwynn who was herman munster um it's a really cool story i even liked the sequel to pet cemetery which is a terrible film but still this idea of like these haunting things these things that die so tragically and you don't want to lose them so much that you bury them in a cemetery where they come back to life and they come back as just horrible horrible creatures like it uh it, it's one that yeah it, it was very affecting to me like i said mostly because of that scene with the dying sister and uh it just yeah to this day it's one that i find very hard to watch <laughs> spoiler alert it's my number one <laughs> and exactly what you said man i i 100 percent and overly agree with everything I, I, time that I watched it and it was, you know, unlike anything, you know, Stephen King, of course, if, I mean, it, it was one of those that translated, you know, really good to film. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I will never forget. And I still see it, you know, the shoe flying off of oh. Gage. Like, I don't know if I can name my kid Gage after seeing that. No. Um, my neighbor actually named their kid Gage, and I was like, I can't do that, I can't do that. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, you, you think about, you know, the the horror part of that, and it, I, I definitely classify this as a horror. Oh, um, yeah. And uh, the sadness, like you said, of tragically losing something and wanting it to come back so bad, not caring how, and then it's like, you know... I can't imagine losing a child like that. And then, you know, you, you wouldn't, you would go to any extreme. It seems like to do that. And then just being in denial and, and not wanting to think. And cause you then got to let go again. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, um, that, yeah, I mean, and you, you brought up the sequel and I did, I enjoyed that, you know, not as much as the original, but it's one of those that was definitely good enough it kept the same exact theme but told it in a different way um it was sometime after the original so it was a little bit more modern at the time um and uh you know i think you know i could watch both today and and still very very much appreciate it it was it's my number one just because it creeped the hell out of me when i was a kid yeah it's man that one's it's rough i i remember the very first time i ever watched it i i was pretty I was pretty young. Like it was another one that I had seen on TV. And, uh, of course, you know, I'm not supposed to be watching it. So my room was in the basement as a kid. And I, there was a, we had like a rec room right outside my room where we had a TV and I'd go and I'd sit on the couch late at night and I'd watch as much as I could on TV. And, uh, that was one of those ones that I watched and it was a terrible mistake. (laughs) I remember watching it the first time and just being like, Oh my God, this is terrifying me. Yeah. And I remember the very next time it was on TV, I couldn't help but tune in again 
But that scene with Zelda came on, and I turned that shit off so fast and <laughs> ran out of the house. I was like, I'm not watching this. It's horrifying. Right. And then, and then shortly after that, I saw the sequel. And the sequel, the Clancy Brown plays Gus, um, who is the town cop, who's kind of a bully and, and stuff. And, and he ends up dying and, and coming back as well after he gets attacked by a dog. And his performance as the returned Gus is just the stuff that makes my stomach turn. Like he was, he was, he was so creepy. I mean, he's, he's creepy in general. I mean, he's probably one of my favorite versions of Lex Luthor ever. (laughs) Yeah. Voiced him on the animated series. But to this day, like I can't see him in something without thinking of that character and going, Oh my gosh, he's terrifying. (laughs) It's just, yeah, it's, it's, those movies are deeply disturbing in more ways than one. So it's a, that's definitely a good choice for number one. It, if I had to pick a movie that scared me the most when I was younger, it would be, that would be my number one. So, yep. so very good. What do you got at number three? Well, you took it already. Uh, it was scream and yeah, yeah. One. so okay. we'll keep it at that. So we'll have to go to your number three. All right. So my number three, uh, this is another one that has it's a more recent movie uh it is probably i would say it is hands down one of the scariest movies that i've ever seen and it's because it affected the thing that terrifies me more than anything else the stuff that could be real um and that was the strangers uh it's a suspense movie more than a horror movie but it's a home invasion film and these three killers show up they're masked you don't see anything about them they don't talk these two people are home late at night and the only reason these people show up to terrify them is because they're home and there's jump scenes and suspense and it it just the idea of masked expressionless faces um and like i said things that could be very real just don't sit well with me at all it just makes me very uncomfortable and that is one of them like to this day, I still look over my shoulder in certain spots because I'm just like, oh, it's just get a weird vibe that someone's standing there. And it's, uh, I think it's a brilliant horror film. The, uh, the idea of she, the poster itself is terrifying. It lived Tyler standing in the middle of her living room. They've barricaded the door. She turns around because she hears a bang on the back door and the guy's standing behind her holding an ax. Like, what the hell (laughs) come on (laughs) i remember seeing it in the theater and just being so uncomfortable the entire time i was just so on the edge of my seat and uh yeah it's just it's creepy and it's it's really creepy because as the observer you're seeing things that they're not seeing they they don't really ever put you in the pov of the killer they don't really do any of that kind of stuff but you're getting to see third person so you know what's coming. You know something terrible is about to happen. You can see something, and you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it it's that suspense that you like. You just hang on to, and it it's heavy. Like it's it's one that that probably doesn't affect some people that way. Uh, but it is it is one of my top scary movies of all time. Like I think it's true horror. It like it really puts you in a state of suspense, and it's just like man this shit could happen and it's pretty scary. (laughs) 
No, that's uh, that's awesome. I another one I haven't seen, and it, it brings up a good point to to kind of where I'm at now in my life that a lot of my top movies are back, you know, middle school, junior high, where you know I was more vulnerable then than I am now, and you know, you know, we've talked about this before in previous podcasts, you know, time and being able to watch things, and like I said, I don't go to movies nearly as much as I used to and see these things and you know especially for horror movies it to me is so hard to recognize what's good and what's not yeah that is a genre where if you put horror as as the label it can either go good or bad I mean it's it's pretty much split and you know you don't have instant classics anymore almost it seems you know it's they're very rare they're very rare and and it this was kind of one of those that I, I I as soon as you said it I was like oh man really that was a good one because it's like I I bypassed it I didn't look any more into it then oh, that might be good you know because you see all these like one off movies and you always kind of start to wonder but um, just from your review I mean I'll definitely check it out just because I that that is what actually gets me going too is just that realism of um, you know. Is there somebody outside the window? You know, make sure all my doors are locked before I go to bed. And, uh, you know, I the realism is, is what gets me too. So I, I'm going to check that out per your recommendation. Yeah, I, I would, if you're looking for something to, to make you incredibly uneasy for the rest of the month, then yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Because it's, it's one of those things that like, I have this thing about, you know, people being able to see you but you not see them and and it's just yeah it just gives you such a heavy feeling and i think one of the other things that disturbs me most about it is and i don't I, i'm not going to spoil it for you because it's it's a really good movie i don't want to spoil the ending for you but um the fact that it hangs so heavy with me as an adult is also what also makes it terrifying <laughs> right. it, it's like the fact that it was able to scare me is pretty terrifying. Like, oh my gosh, why was it able to have that effect on me? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's one of my favorite horror movies. It has become one of the staples. Like, if I if I'm ready to watch a movie that is gonna scare the pants off me, it doesn't matter how many times I've seen it, I'll put that in because it's it is intense. Um, yeah, it's like I said, it still makes me look over my shoulder, and it just. It's one that has stuck with me. They've talked about doing a sequel to it for some time, and it, nothing has ever come to fruition. Uh, the director and writer, Brian Bertino, has done a couple other things. Um, one of the other films he did was very much in the same vein, but it fell on that side of cheap camp crap, uh, mm-hmm. and it didn't work very well. Um, so it he, he pulled one over. I'm kind of glad they never made a sequel yet. Uh, if they still are good push it off as far as you can but the the concept of the solo movie and the way the story concludes and how it kind of hangs with you at the end is really really what makes that one-off movie very good (laughs) so i i definitely recommend it all right maybe i'll uh I'll try and sneak that into the DVD player where my wife wants to watch a horror movie and just not tell her until it scares the pants off of her. So. Yeah, you try and get her to watch that one. She'll leave after five minutes, I promise. <laughs> 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 All 
if she doesn't, she's braver than me, and I will fully admit that. <laughs> no, so, if, uh, if we even say we're going to watch a scary movie, she needs, like, a, a heavy preview before we <laughs> get the approval, so... Um, I need to know every plot point, every jump scene. <laughs> show me every trailer. Maybe not, you know, ruin the movie, but get damn near close. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, moving moving down the list. I'm, I'm really anxious to check that one out now. Um, but moving down the list to my number two, it, it is a true classic, um, true character that's kind of lived through the years and told many different ways, but it is uh, Michael Myers of the Halloween franchise. And an interesting reason why, I guess, is, and, and again, I'm looking at this beyond, you know, oh gosh, there's so many movies for him. And the two that stick out um, are, of course, the original. Um, and that's probably the biggest thing, is the Dr. Loomis character. Yep. Horrified what Michael was. It... it, it, it it was just so interesting to see him chase this patient and still kind of want to, you know, he wanted to fix him. That's, you know, what it came down to. Uh, it wasn't the, the slasher parts that really kind of freaked me out. It was how he was described and kind of, again, how you would think people are like that in the world, you know. And the the quote that kind of sticks out in my mind always is... Um, you know, there's there's just blackness behind those eyes. Like, there's yeah. nothing there. Um, I love that quote and how that was written. And this is probably the only horror movie that I would give two thumbs up on a remake. And, of course, because it was done by Rob Zombie, who's who can write in the darkness <laughs> just as well as any of them. But to do an updated version and really make that scarier, that's how Nightmare on Elm Street should have been. Um, cause to me, they, they retold Michael's story and a lot more in depth, you know, he was killing animals, kind of that very real world take on it. And then, you know, he becomes this monster and, uh, you know, again, just kind of all the scenes as when he was a kid, I liked the, the retelling of the origin a lot in that. So it wasn't that quick five, 10 minute opening scene that, it's still very good and classic from the original. You know, I, I definitely think it was retold well. Yeah, I I have to agree. Uh, that's actually my number one uh, choice. The original Halloween is one of the movies that, as a kid, scared me. Like I said, it was that blank, expressionless face, this unstoppable force who's coming after these people for no apparent reason. Um, I loved everything about it the score the the performances i mean jamie lee curtis donald pleasance john carpenter directing and writing you got deborah uh deborah hall hill i can't remember uh, <laughs> i'm drawing a blank right now but um you know they essentially write two different stories you know and it it, it is deborah hill i know i'm right <laughs> it's gonna bother me if i don't say it um but yeah like they they essentially wrote two separate stories you've got the monster hunter the van helsing type character on one side and then you've got the babysitter who's being pursued by evil um it, it's it's a not only because of the title but it is a true 
stand out in the slasher film category because the first one, again, much like some of the other entries in my stuff, is very realistic. It's a mentally disturbed guy who's just trying to go after people for no reason. He breaks right. as a kid. You never see his face. He never utters a single word. And when he gets shot at the end of the movie, falls out a window from two stories up, he just disappears. I, it, it's nuts. Um, like you said, the the quote from Donald Pleasance's character, Doctor Loomis, is it sticks out. It's another one of those memorable monologues. Like it's it's one that I know by heart, and it's it's the I met him 15 years ago. I was told there was nothing left, no reason, no conscious, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of uh, life or death, uh, of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with a blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. <laughs> that, to me, like, you've just described pure terror. Yeah. Like, this unstoppable force that has no reason, you're not going to barter with it, you're not going to you're not gonna reason with it, he's coming after you just because he's plain insane. And, of course, later on in the franchise, you, you they kind of start to make some adjustments, even in the sequel, um... Which I think is is decent. Uh, the the first sequel is very on par with the original. It's equally creepy. Uh, it has given me a a uh, creepy fear of hospitals in a way that shouldn't affect me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it uh it, yeah there's I just I like the classic type of tale that it tells. Um, when I was younger, it was one that disturbed me the most. When I have started to grow up now, it's become one of those staple, like, anytime it's on, I'm stopping to watch it. Right. I pick something up from it every time. I think it's brilliant. Um, like I said, I, I have, like, the entire series, even though there are some that are just garbage in it. Eventually, Michael Myers becomes the camp factor that jason and freddie have and things like that but those first two movies and even some of the later entries in the franchise get pretty awesome um, yeah i i'm i kind of straddle the line with rob zombies remake there are some things about it that i like i love that you know halloween was kept alive that the michael myers character was kept alive i kind of like that it was a the second half of the movie was a very honest kind of remake that that needed to that kind of fit the bill um i i don't know how i feel about the backstory i feel like it takes away from the creepy factor of him um, mm -hmm. that you see there's something much more creepy about a normal six-year-old boy who just snaps and kills his sister than someone who's been the subject of emotional and verbal abuse his entire life and is raised as white trash and just finally has it with their shit and <laughs> decides he's going to kill everybody because he's tired of it. So that to me loses some of the, some of the power of, of the intensity of it. Um, but I also love his version of Michael Myers as an adult, as this brutal, unstoppable force. I mean, Tyler Maine plays him as just pure energy and pure evil. Like, so those two things together just make for brutality. And uh, while I 
love a lot of Rob Zombie's movies. I, I like the tone he has. I don't think it's appropriate in every setting. Um, so I don't think... I don't think it held true to the original spirit. Um, I think they missed right. something. But if I was going to get a remake, it was probably as good as it could have been. Right. So um, his sequel, this the second one, I would completely throw out the window. I think it's garbage. I, I don't think it has any tie to the original. I think it looks like shit. The idea behind it is shit. Um, I... I he completely lost me. <laughs> he, uh, he, he, he almost lost me as a fan entirely, uh, right. because I just thought it was that bad. Um, but the first one, like I said, I straddled the line on there are times that I watch it. And I'm like, Oh, it's actually pretty good. And then I go back and I watch it. And I'm like, no, it's really, really bad. <laughs> stop. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I definitely think you have to see the original first to, you know, kind of appreciate the Michael Myers character. Like you said, just that, that drawn blank expression, the, the whole, you don't, you don't know what what's going on in there. And you right. don't know what to expect. And and even the slow movements. I mean, Jason had that effect, but there there was just too much uh, cheesiness to that whole series, even from the beginning, that uh, just didn't seem to work. But Michael Myers slow moving, like in the vehicles. I remember, like again, uh, the the H two O twenty years later yep. uh, was one of those that was it came at a good time for me again it was those the junior high middle school years and it was cheesy but at least it was kind of straightforward it wasn't you know in space and it wasn't didn't have busta rhymes in it yeah <laughs> <That's> <laughs> never <a> treat. <laughs> oh, man. oh my god it's so terrible it's so bad but um Danger Tainment. I mean, it's pretty true telling of reality TV more so than a horror yeah. story. Um, anyway, um, I when I think of the H2O, uh, I just think when he drives that car and he just creeps, man. So it's like oh, not, only, not only like in the first one, his movements are slow, just like even driving. Like, can you even imagine like, being behind that car, getting road rage, going to pass it, and then that just mask glaring at you, like that would, that would, I I would pedal to the floor and and be gone as much as possible. Oh yeah, and he'd definitely. still catch up to you. Um, so, uh, yeah, I I like everything that they kind of did, and and I agree with you now. You know, with the the origin being retold with Rob Zombie. You know, when you look back at it, you know, white trash and, and being verbally and, and emotionally abused, kind of picture that. I just, I do like the turn that it takes. And, and when they're in the hospital and he, he starts wearing the mask and he's like, why are you wearing that? He's like, I don't know. I just like it. And then all of a sudden it gets quieter. You know, the moods change. And then it's like, I don't know, just it's almost like, you know, when Darth Vader came up for the first time, essentially the first time yep. in episode three, it was just kind of like that reveal of damn like this guy is a scary scary dude what i, I so. think that's what divides me so much about the movie is that it's one of those ones that like seriously had you cut out those first 20 minutes and started with that kid in the hospital started with the first scene where he kills his sister and then he ends up in the hospital and you watch him kind of grow into the the mute 
zombie that he becomes. Mm-hmm. It, that to me would have been perfect. Spend an extra twenty minutes fixing the editing and the arranging of of the straight remake section of the story because you had really good performers playing these roles that were iconic. I mean, like when you think classic horror, you think of of Halloween and you you can recognize those people, those names, those you know, those characters. So the fact that they were able to kind of capture that, it showed that either somebody at the studio level or Rob Zombie had a really good idea of what needed to be done. But then there's this choppy editing where it just doesn't make sense where he's in certain places. But like I said, I think everything that happens in those first 20 minutes, which let's be completely honest, it's a Rob Zombie movie. He just wants a reason to film his wife doing something. Yeah. So... (laughs) those first 20 minutes just strip all power out of the character and the only thing as a fan of the original that i can hope for is that by the time it gets to the middle of the movie that i just kind of let all that other stuff go and i forgot right. about it so that that was the one big glaring issue i had with it is that sometimes when you sometimes giving the monster a backstory takes away the power and it, it it demystifies it a little bit and it sheds a little more light than what necessarily should be shed on it so right. i i think uh I, like i said i'm i'm glad we got a remake i'm glad the franchise got kept alive i'm anxious to see what they do with it next they have uh they had starts and stops on a basically a, a complete reboot of the franchise not picking up where zombie left off not picking up where the franchise left off before him so and like i said it's my number one it's my favorite movie i will watch it every halloween it, I, I love it um so it's definitely a good choice to have come in at number two for you cool well, it's a good number one and i lost my number one so uh i i think we're good well i've got <laughs> i've got my number two and I'll oh that's right there. i'm sorry that's okay. I've got my number two. I'll throw it out there, and it's a good one to end on. It doesn't necessarily fall into the horror tropes. Um, it's a suspense, mystery, drama story. Um, it's one that ends up on a lot of lists. Silence of the Lambs. Hannibal Lecter. Uh, the uh, James Gum killer. You know, it's it's a classic. The quotable lines. The, the eerie sense. Like, the, it's just... It's one that, it's another one of those movies that anytime it's on, I'm going to stop and watch it. And it's it's different from Hannibal, from Hannibal Rising, from Red Dragon. Like, it's it's a standalone, and it's a standout, because it's just a truly bizarre story. Like, you're watching this young girl partner with this doctor who is evil incarnate to try and catch somebody who's much more evil. And you know the entire time that... She, Hannibal's trying to manipulate her while he's also working on the backside with the killer. The killer's off doing his own thing, and he's just equally creepy. Um, like, it's just, you know, puts the lotion in the basket or else gets the hose. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, like see that great big fat girl? <laughs> just, it's terrible. Um, but I, it's one of those movies that I love. Like, it, another the score is perfect the 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 
tone of the movie is really good. Like it just hangs heavy and you get this sense of like just imminent danger the entire time you watch it. Um, I, as I've gotten older, I've grown to have a greater appreciation for it. And I, the fact that it won tons of awards is, is mind blowing because we were at a point in history where nobody was taking horror movies seriously yet. 1992 comes along and this, for all intents and purposes, horror movie wins best picture. <laughs> That's insane. Um, so yeah. it, it's, it's one of my favorites. Like I said, I don't, I don't see it as a horror movie. It's not a traditional horror movie, but it's an intense suspense movie. And it's one of my favorite types of genre films that are kind of in that vein. Really, really are ones that I've come to appreciate and like a lot. So, yeah, the, I mean, they could, you look at the actors and, and how well is, you know, written laid out and it, it was just a good mixture. It wasn't like, you know, so many on our lists and, and ones that we've talked about where it's like, you know, good premise, not well done or good actors, not a great story. You know, it, it had a good mix. And obviously that's truth be told in, in, in the awards. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I couldn't agree more. hundred yeah. uh, percent. It's, so, it's a classic that needs to be, you know, stapled in there. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely agree. I think it's one of those ones that, that's it falls into that kind of untouchable like i don't think you could ever really remake it as a movie and have it be as good i don't think you could really mess with the dynamics i don't think you're ever going to capture that same magic again um so it's definitely a, a great one uh just a couple honorable mentions to throw out there ones that don't necessarily fall into horror ones either one really new one um if you haven't seen it i'd recommend it is creep uh mark Duplass from The League and a bunch of other comedy stuff uh, wrote and directed a non-traditional type horror film. Uh, it is found footage to a degree. Uh, well, actually, I, I should say it's found footage, but it's not found footage in the traditional sense. Uh, the story is this guy gets hired to, uh, he, he finds an ad, gets hired to go shoot a day in the life of this guy who claims he's dying and he wants to leave something for his wife and kids. Well, as he gets there, this guy is just a creep. Like he's a weirdo. He kind of creeps him out. And as the story goes on, it gets more and more intense. And this actor who's normally a comedy actor is putting on a really, really chilling performance. So it's on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. It's really good. Uh, it's supposed to be the first in a trilogy, but uh, I haven't heard any more about the sequels, but it's one that I watched uh, not too long ago and found to be very, very good. Um, the other one, which was also another recent one, again, not traditional horror movie, is Darren Aronofsky's Black Swan. Uh, mm. It's a psychological horror film in, in terms of like you're watching what this person is doing to try and achieve their dreams, and it's just kind of terrifying to see what they're... what lengths they're willing to go to and what they're going through and uh it's tragic and it's kind of it's it's a very disturbing movie and the way they show kind of the the breakdown that's going on in her head and the, and the way they're displaying it in real life form is very very creepy um i love the movie a lot it, it's really good great performances by natalie portman and uh vincent cassell and uh 
It's going to slip my head. Um, yeah, Jackie from that 70s show. Oh. I can't think of her name right now. I'm completely blanking on it. Um, Kunis. Uh, yes, Mila Kunis. Thank you. Jeez. Jeez. That was terrible. Well, I'm sitting here like thinking about the movie because I I I've seen all, saw the trailers. I just never watched the full length, and it's a yeah, really good one. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> cool. one that I would recommend too. So, good ones to check out this this weekend if you're uh, if you're looking for horror fare that isn't necessarily traditional. So yeah, well, it took us a little bit longer than than I thought to get through it, but that's good. A couple trips down memory lane, that's awesome. So let's yeah, just take totally. a few minutes to uh, to kind of run down The Walking Dead. Obviously, uh, the latest season of The Walking Dead premiered to amazing numbers. Uh, it, again, broke TV records. It's the TV show that's coming consistently at the highest views. Uh, it did better than Sunday Night Football, which is pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. Um, it... Uh, it of course was the you know the pickup after the big cliffhanger from last season. Again, I'm gonna say spoilers if you haven't seen it yet. Turn this off. Um, we come back. Obviously, we were left not knowing who Negan killed. Um, the first sights of Negan were in the last ten minutes of last season. We got to see um, we got to see some amazing performances. Uh, some some. Uh, amazing uh, an amazing portrayal of a character brought to life on screen before our eyes uh this is something you know we've talked about in other things where stuff pops off a comic book page the walking dead is a comic book it's a comic book series graphic novel series it's amazing uh it's a great story it's probably one of the best stories we have in the modern age it's one of the best new more modern comic books we have um it's to see Negan, who in the comics is evil incarnate, brought to life by an actor who I love. Like, I, anything that guy's in, I am drawn to. I think he's charming. I think he, he he wins you over every time he's there, which makes his portrayal of Negan all the more disturbing. Um, and, and the actions that he takes all the more disturbing. So we left last season knowing that he killed uh, a member of the group, uh, that basically it was going to shift dynamics. Uh, the producers, writers have been talking about that and how this was really a, a, a reset of sorts for the show. It takes them and it puts them in a completely new scenario that they've never been in before. And it changes the entire dynamic. And as someone who has read further in the comics, I can say that, this truly does change where the show goes and how the show changes and how the show uh, truly comes to represent what the title really means. Um, you know, it's very clear that the walking dead are not the zombies. The walking dead are the people in the zombie world because they've all just become shells of themselves. Um, so it, that being said, oh, we started out with a very powerful episode. It was 60 minutes of just, just being on the edge of your seat and just being uncomfortable. Um, it was sad. It was disturbing. It was upsetting. Um, but it was, it, it was also entertaining. Um, 
which feels wrong to say, but it, it was <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I just, I am a person who does not get disturbed or moved by movies so much. I, I like, I love them. They affect me. I, but, uh, I don't get affected in that way very often. And right. that affected me like watching these characters who we followed for seven seasons bite it. Like it, it bothered me. It was like, wow that's really unsettling and not just because it's hard to look at but just because it's it's very real looking it's very gross it's very brutal um so yeah i I absolutely loved the premiere i I think it was great the performances in it were amazing i mean like everybody was on point and uh I, i like i said i'm conflicted because i love jeffrey dean morgan but I hated him so much during the episode. So bravo to him because he made me absolutely despise him. Uh, it's a great performance, but uh, at the same time, it's, I can't wait to see what he does on the show. Like, I can't wait to see in what other ways they use him. So, yeah. Um, before we, we jump into who, who bit it and everything, uh, you know, as for the lead up, you and I talked about this for what, six months, okay. uh, seven months. Uh, you know, it was, it was great to be left on a cliffhanger. Of course, you really wanted to know, and I somehow, I don't know how, stayed spoiler-free officially, although, you know, you and I both talked that we called it, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. who was going to happen, but just to know, like, I, you know, it was, it was how they ended last season, you know, watching the blood flow down the screen and, and just th- literally drop dead. And that's it. All you hear the screams fainting in the background. Like this, what this premiere did was, you know, we, we fully expect people to be, you know, killed by zombies. It's kind of the nature of the world that they're in. And that's going to be brutal. You know, we've seen some really great scenes like that, some big losses like that. Um, but this was one of those. And how it went down to me, you know, it, it's going to obviously translate into, uh, you know, what happened, but, you know, person killing another person, you know, it's almost as bad as the, the Herschel death, um, there in season three. Um, it, it was, and that's, that's an interesting point because that's what I was talking with somebody, somebody about today. The last time that there was this profound of a death, it occurred by the hands of another human being like Mm -hmm. this show you think about the zombie kills in the show and while like things like noah biting it last year kind of suck all those ones that have been big significant losses have come at the hands of other people Mm -hmm. beth herschel uh the exception being really tyrese and noah like i said and and noah's was just sad because of how brutal it was like it was Mm -hmm. just this guy seemed like he was going to become a big character. And then all of a sudden it was like, Nope, he's gone. Yeah. And, and he died one of the most gruesome deaths they've ever put on. Right. So to then, to then transition to, to this, where again, one of the most brutal deaths we've seen on the show. And one of the most impactful deaths that changes the entire dynamic was at the hands of another human being. Like, right. It's, it's, that's rough. Like it's a bold statement too. <laughs> Well, and, you know, I don't, 
I'm going to have to drop the bomb. But, you know, when when Negan goes after it, you know, he kills Abraham, the first kill. And that was kind of a bold death, you know, the suck my nuts line classic. <laughs> it's going to go, you know, it's going to be in memes and stuff for a, a while. Wouldn't have gone I will, down I will forever way. miss the Abrahamisms. <laughs> yeah. Um, I miss the early Abraham. I was watching some of the classic clips uh after the fact and it was really great um dick (laughs) yeah (laughs) um (laughs) but (laughs) who's deanna (laughs) (laughs) man i'm gonna miss that guy so much (laughs) it is unfortunate how how yeah you've grown to the these characters personalities it's just amazing um so so when Glenn takes that, I think when you when you said about Jeffrey Dean Morgan hating him, yeah. To me, that exact point was when I mean, you knew when when Glenn was going to go, it was going to be some kind of it, it wasn't just going to be like boom, he's gone. Like him and Maggie are going to have kind of that goodbye to a sense. Yeah. And when he said those final words, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan Negan sitting there going, "Well, what? What's that? What's oh, that?" Oh yeah. I mean, you, you, like you know, the moment happens when the bat hits, and you're like, "No, no, this is not happening." And then the fact that he's basically rubbing it in and and just making this mockery of it, and, yeah. and this guy just came in out of nowhere, and you watch Maggie and Glenn be the the couple that lives and breathes everything of love in this this world for once and he just stomps on it with a boot hits it with a bat technically but yeah i I like i think that's what got to me most was that like this this is the guy who of the series is the most pure like his Mm -hmm. his motivations are so noble and having read the comic i i knew how he would die unless the show was really going to shift things up he was going to die this way and it's because in issue 100 of the comic they wanted to make sure that the stakes were raised that they said hey look we're here to stay this is you think we're finishing no this is just the beginning so it makes sense the show would then try and do the same thing now the way they changed the governor's storyline led many people to believe well no of course they're not going to do that they wouldn't they wouldn't keep you hanging all summer to then come back and know what happens for the audience who reads it so sure enough they changed it up enough just so you wouldn't know exactly what happened and it, while a lot of people I'm, I'm sure were able to call who was killed i, I mean i i f- was pretty sure i knew who it was going to be and i knew that it was going to be more than one um i i was confident going into that Abraham and Glenn were gone but then to watch Glenn die and to know how it was drawn in the comics and then see it played out on screen it was so much more brutal and to watch it was just hard like it was really hard to watch like you watch this guy get beat and the last things he says is Maggie I'll find you like talk about just ripping your heart out like you're watching this guy struggle and it's unpleasant to look at and it just yeah, if ever there was a moment where you just felt pure and utter rage for a character, I hated Negan at that moment. Like, it was right. just, you son of a 
bitch. Like, how evil are you? And, uh, yeah, I think, I think the way the show, so I was, I was very, very, very mad about the cliffhanger last season. I'm like, this is a terrible way to go out. Like, why, why would you go out this way? Having now seen the season premiere, I feel entirely differently. I don't feel like you could have ended last season with this. I think then the impact wears off when you come back for the next season. I, I don't think it's as hard hitting on the people who are watching it. Um, I think by saving that, you kind of put your audience in the shoes of your characters where they can feel some of that loss, some of that hurt. I mean, you think back to two seasons ago where we, everybody thought, you know, Glenn was gone and they thought he died. I remember being shocked because I was like, wow, they wasted his death. And yeah, then the more you thought about it, it was like, well, he's not, he's not dead. He crawled under that dumpster. Like, yeah. you know, and, and of course it, it's definitely ended up being that way. And then the kind of running gag became, well, how are we going to not kill Glenn this week? And so you knew he was on borrowed time. You also knew that with Abraham, if you had read the comic book, you know, Abraham's death was what Denise's death was during season six or, yeah, during season six, um, Dwight shoots in the comic. Dwight shoots Abraham through the eye, and he dies. Right. So they've done a lot of like transposing the death scenes and things like that, to and transitioning them to different characters to try and shift the dynamic of the show. But we still only have one character on this show who's really outside the the lines, and that's Daryl. And right. so my statement all summer was. Look, if you want the death to have the most impact the way the comic book did, then you killed Daryl. Like, that's the one that affects everything. Mm-hmm. That being said, you want the death to feel powerful simply because somebody so good goes, you still have to kill Glenn. Right. And uh, to, to have Maggie be pregnant and, you know, sick through it all, it's just... Yeah, your heart just breaks for him. Like, and it, it's it's pretty rough. Well, and again, I think it's amplified too because you imagine him sacrificing himself, right? Right. He's married, pregnant wife. Like he's he's been there. He's he's the heart of the group. Um, like you said, very pure. So you would imagine like he would sacrifice himself if you know the bat was pointed at at Maggie, for instance. But the fact that Daryl jacked everything up. And then he was the choice at random. Yeah. It was just like, you could have picked anybody, like anybody there. And it's like, you pick him. So the randomness of it too, I think, was just like, to the masses, like, that's not right. Like, why did you have to pick him out of, you know, however 10 people there? Like, we don't know Aaron that well. We don't really care about Aaron right now. You you could go for him. (laughs) He showed us the Alexandria, but that's okay. We won't miss him. But no, yeah. Glenn, no, that hurts, man. <laughs> well, and, and unfortunately, from from the outside point of view, that's that's the exact reason why you have to kill Glenn because he is that guy. He's yeah, like, exactly. He's the guy you have an attachment to. He's the guy you see yourself as. You hope to be in that story. You might, you know, you might really want to be Rick, the the violent badass who's kind of unhinged and the leader of the group. But really, you're more like Glenn, you know, you're more like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm the guy who's going to do what's needed to get by and protect my family. And I'm going to. So he's he's the everyman. And what's the most powerful way to shake things up is 
you killed a guy that nobody can hate. And right. uh, yeah, it's just to watch him go the way he did was just sad. Like, I mean, Abraham's death, you see that, you know, he's willing to die for the group. He's willing to take it. He's, he's kind of come to terms with everything in his life. And, uh, I, I thought it was a nice coda that, you know, in the season finale, he talks with, uh, with Sasha about how he's ready now. He wants to have a kid and he thinks that they can do it. If Glenn and Maggie can do it, he can, uh, he can pour the bisquick and make pancakes as well. So <laughs> definitely uh, a ten scene. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, you know, even when Negan points his bat at him in the finale, he rises to his knees and he's like, look, I'm not going to shy away from this. If you want to kill me, kill me. So he, he becomes noble. You saw him resolve his issues with Eugene. Like it was nice to see that story wrapped up. Right. Glenn, we didn't get that. Like Glenn's story is, right in the middle of something big like his wife is in danger his child is in danger and he has so much to live for and he loses it all and it's it's what makes that thing so impactful and you see how it it beats rick like it shakes him to his core and i thought for sure we were going to see rick lose his hand i I thought there's no chance he comes out of this with a hand uh even up to the point where he's holding Carl's arm. So <laughs> I, I thought there's no way we get away from this, but I, I think in terms of where the season's going to head, where the next couple seasons are going to head, uh, spoilers to a degree, Negan's around for the long haul. I mean, like in the comics, he sticks around for quite a while after he shows up. He is right. a, he's a big character. Um, he, I, stopped reading the comics shortly after issue 100 uh just because i ran out of time i have a backlog of issues that i'm just waiting to read um i've probably made it up to the like 120s so i know that he was there long after i stopped reading um so that says a lot (laughs) like he's he's around he's gonna be around for several seasons unless the show decides to jump ahead of where the comic book is at because right. they're catching up quick. It's a Game of Thrones type scenario, but um, I mean, there's this show is amazing. You, you think about the fact that how many people watch it. I know, I, I can, I can not name a handful of people who don't watch it. Right. Like I, my parents might be. Yeah, my parents and my sister. And sister and her husband are probably the only people I can think of that don't watch the show. <laughs> I, I, it's you can't find anybody. And Game of Thrones is kind of the same way to a degree, just not as widely available. So, well, yeah, the fact that this is widely available and and it does it, it appeals so much. I mean, it pulls the same aspect in of you know you you love and you hate the fact that you grow with these characters and then they're gone. Like just killing people off is a way to go and and just like these two shows have proved like you don't need a rhyme or reason most of the time they're in a world where violence is dominant and it's gonna happen and everyone's expendable exactly there's, there's no one who is immune and there's no one who's exempt from what could come i mean i honestly i would not have been surprised had they said yeah rick is the one who's gonna die you yeah. could easily do that. I mean, it could happen. You kill the main character and it just transitions because the show is not about any one person. It's right. about the group and it's about just how 
calcified these people have become to the horrors that they're witnessing and, and the, the life that they're leading. And they, like I said, they are the walking dead. They are the ones who are just empty inside now. Um, right. So I, I think the interesting shift occurs. I mean, last year we saw them get back to where the zombies were a big danger this year. It's back on the humans again. The, the people around them are a big danger. I look forward to seeing what they're going to do. I, I'm, I, again, haven't read too far ahead of this, but I know they're building to a massive war between these communities. And you, you've you got Ezekiel and the kingdom that we're going to meet with his tiger Shiva. Uh, you've got the hilltop. You've got Alexandria. You've got the saviors and Negan. And, and there's even more to come. So it's... It's gonna. The scope of this is gonna get so massive. I am. I'm just so thrilled. Like it's a show that I will keep tuning back into every week because it's just so big, um, and it's it's enthralling to watch. You can't help but be wrapped up in it. The quality behind it, the story that they're telling, the the acting is all high caliber. Like it, it's. I, yeah, I'm so excited to see where this goes. I, I hate when it's not on the air. Uh, even <laughs> Fear the Walking Dead is like not even the worthy successor for me. Like it's right. just this is the story that I want to tune into week after week. Like, give me three episodes a week and I'm gonna watch. Like I will make <laughs> time to watch this. So I think it's one of the cool aspects of it. <laughs> it's, it's it speaks a little bit to how the times have changed, but it's a little bit disturbing how. You know, you think back 20, 30 years ago and people were sitting around the dinner table talking to each other or sitting around, you know, watching family shows together. Now you've got everybody gathered on Sunday night sitting there watching a zombie show. Like, right. What, what the TGIF hell? TGIF 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah. What, I mean, what everybody is going watch, on in the world? <laughs> everybody wanted to watch Steve Verkel. Yeah. And now it's, it's, it's way different. Yeah. Um, they're sitting it's, around wondering who's going to die. It's a pretty profound thing, man. I don't. I don't think that. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, TV's definitely changed, but I don't think we're ever again in history going to see something become as big of a cultural phenomenon as this has. Like yeah. it's it's so big. I mean, like the com- You've got people who would never in their lives pick up a comic book, picking up comic books because they want to know what's going to happen. Even though they know it might not be the same thing, they just want to know. Right. So they're buying comic books, which for nerds everywhere, that is great news. <laughs> you know, like, Absolutely. yes, buy a comic book. I don't care if you don't read it. I don't care if you don't keep it. I don't throw it away as you walk out the door. I don't care. Just buy it. That way they stay in business. Exactly. But, but the fact that it was, it's blown up into this huge, huge following and it's become, you know, the Star Wars of its day. Like, it, mm-hmm that's it it's no small feat so i think the uh the people involved are the right people to have involved i uh i yeah i can't wait to see where we go from here i'm uh i'm hoping i'm hoping we don't start to decline i'm hoping we don't get into the old pattern where um they would kind of have a really big moment on the show and then things would just kind of 
descend from there and you'd reach this valley and they were stuck in the valley for a long time and then finally something else big would happen right and it would bring them back up it seems like the show was doing a lot of the riding the wave so i'm hoping that this doesn't result in that it seems like this is a really good jumping off point it's a strong place to start a new chapter in the story and uh you've got a lot of emotional fodder for these characters to be impacted by i mean we're, we're looking at those seven characters who are together and are affected we don't even know how it's going to affect morgan and carol and the people in alexandria and so we, we haven't seen those effects yet we don't know how daryl is going to feel afterwards because i guarantee you he will feel responsible i mean yeah, there's, the there's no question that the guilt is going to eat him alive so i uh i think it puts us in a good place we're going to get a lot of powerful storytelling a lot of powerful performances so and like i said you've got a cast of of actors who are excellent i mean the performances they turn in week after week are just amazing so that being said i am super stoked for the rest of this season i i eagerly anticipate sunday night and uh i I, i'm anxious to see where we go I, i think uh I think we're in store for some great stuff. I think we're going to see a lot of awards given out to the show this season. Um, it's, yeah, it's going to be a big one. And uh, it's, it, I, I'm pretty sure that the emotional punches are not over yet. So it was a good episode. And uh, it's definitely probably one of the best hours of TV I've seen in a long time. So, but yeah. All right, well... We uh, we ran a little long tonight, but uh, I think we got some good stuff in. Um, I hope uh, hope everybody has a great Halloween. Thank you for tuning in week after week. Uh, thank you for keeping up with us. We know things have kind of been released a little irregularly. Uh, trying to work on the schedule and fix some things with that. So appreciate you guys hanging in there. Keep coming back. Please subscribe. Share it with your friends. Uh, we're back up on Twitter now. We were down for a little bit, so follow us there uh thanks as always to joe for joining and uh, again we're gonna try and uh, try and throw in some filler episodes from from time to time some single broadcasts some things like that um i know i said it during the last episode but i've got uh i've got a couple reviews that i'm gonna throw up and they'll be really really short rapid fire reviews you know five minutes or less so we'll drop those from time to time during the week and uh and uh, we hope to bring you guys a lot more content. You can see that today we kind of shifted the show a little bit away from some of the superhero stuff into another comic book type area and, and stuff. But, um, you know, entertainment heroes, we're covering the broad spectrum here. We don't want to just focus on one thing. So, like I said, share us, subscribe. It helps us. Uh, you know, give us any feedback you can. We appreciate it. And uh, until next time, I've been your host, Nate Ladow. Thanks for tuning in. Just like a movie, just like a storybook We are the future, we're the ones they won't overlook It's time to be the 